0: Hello all, welcome once again to the Kindred Spirits Enneagram podcast. My name is Chris Hayden, I'm the pastor at Kindred UMC. I have to apologize this episode, we had a little mic issue with my audio and I did my best to mix it out, but it is what it is. So there's some little fizzles and things throughout, I apologize, Uh, but it's still worth hearing. Courtney has some big news, which I will let her share in the podcast, but uh, it's it's a big deal. And uh, if you would like to email us, kindredumc at gmail.com, any questions, or if you'd like to be a guest, please rate, review, share, subscribe, and with no further ado, away we go. Hello, all.
1: Hi.
0: So we don't have a guest this week, except we do.
1: Yeah, we do, I guess, or something.
0: Courtney. What are we gonna do if you're the expert on Enneagram who tells people their types,
1: and then mistyped?
0: But, but you're the but you're the guest who needs to learn their type.
1: Um, I I feel like I don't feel that bad about it, only because, okay, so for a number of reasons. Number well, one. Well, I'm
0: not saying you should feel bad about it. Well, I know. I'm that. saying how are we going to even begin this conversation? I
1: don't know, <laughs> but I know multiple other Enneagram coaches that have had a very like have. Thought they were a type and then ended up mistyping as type six, so I know I'm not alone in that narrative. And so, why
0: don't you set up the premise of this?
1: Okay. Before we
0: dive in, why don't you let people know what we're doing? Sure. So
1: I mistyped because I went to therapy and started to work on my shit. Um, So for years. So
0: you're saying that therapy makes you mistype?
1: uh, No, but I think (laughs) therapy is helpful, and you should go if you aren't. Therapy Therapy makes
0: you. What's the opposite of miss?
1: Like, actually fine. Makes
0: you type. It like just makes actually, actually, you type.
1: <laughs> yeah, it makes you do something. So anyway, I've been in an enneagram for probably, I don't know, six years at this point, since college. Thought I was a two my whole life. There was a lot I didn't really identify with, though. Whether that was, like, the nurturing, like, caretaking mama stuff or the, like... Like, I'm very helpful, but I'm not necessarily always helpful i'm like selectively helpful so like i identified with some of that needs to be needed um and that all kind of makes sense so to me
0: again to set the scene for a lot for those maybe this is their first time listening so for a long time you believed yourself to be a type two helper, helper supporter, supporter. Right. And you no longer believe that.
1: I'm not a type two. No, okay. I know for a fact I'm not a type two.
0: I, again, I would say let's hold on loosely because you knew for a fact that you that's were a true. type two well, for a very long time. That's true. So let's not 100% anything anymore.
1: I'm pretty, I'm 99% sure. Yeah, let's,
0: let's, let's I'm keep 99% it in hold on loosely sure. territory.
1: Sure, we can keep let's it Let's not practice
0: on. certainty, let's practice uh, openness. Sure, and,
1: <laughs> here for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I thought I was a type two. There's just a lot that I like, was kind of hit or miss for me, but most of it made a lot of sense. And then like a week ago, I've been going to therapy for like a month, but like a week ago, um, something that my therapist- This was
0: a couple of weeks ago, because this was when we recorded innerds. Yeah. You like? By, well, I guess that was that like was literally last, the for day.
1: us. That was last week.
0: Yeah, but that was also like the day that you had. Yes. because okay, We recorded
1: right. on. Non, so it was. It was literally
0: non- last week. Yeah, it was literally yeah.
1: last Monday. Um, and I was just talking with my therapist about.
0: God, it's been a long fucking week.
1: I know. <laughs> some stuff, and she was like, Courtney, you tend to. Um, I've noticed that you tend to not live by your own values. You tend to place a lot of stake in what people around you think and you live by their values and I would challenge you to lean into your own values rather than listening to the voices around you. Which I thought was very interesting and she's not wrong and so I, that that kind of caused me to question my motivation a little bit because I was like well I know type sixes tend to do this sort of thing where they have their inner committee and they like seek the opinion and approval of other people before using their own voice and making their own decision and so that's kind of what started it and that's not, that wasn't ultimately the nail in the coffin. The nail in the coffin was I was doing some reading and something that somebody had said, I forget who, was that Enneagram type twos seek after people for love and appreciation whereas Enneagram sixes seek after other people for approval and validation
0: the word that I have been reading is protection
1: yes protection approval but I'm I was gonna get to protection but I was just kind of getting at the basis of what the first like whoa what the fuck for me was because I am desperate for the approval of other people in my life and I very much vacillate between wanting independence and wanting to use my own voice and also needing the approval and protection of other people before I make that decision. So that was like the first, what the fuck, this is this is it. Because was that difference between approval and affirmation and validation and love and affection. I realized it wasn't necessarily love and affection I needed so much as it was, I wanted the approval of people around me.
0: Yeah, like, uh, not that these are completely married, but I think there's something in the, like, you're not a touchy-feely person.
1: No, not at all. Not even a little bit. And
0: there's something about, you know, affection can take on many forms, but I think for most people who who like affection, like to be touched by the people they care about. Yeah, I realized
1: that the thing that was the scariest for me, again, we talk about this idea of, hey, let's look at the fears, is... Because I, I, you and I have had a, a conversation before about I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, and that's for mine. Me,
0: mine is I don't want to be the bad. I don't care about getting in trouble as much as I don't want to be the bad.
1: But it's rooted in this idea of we had we had bonded over this idea of it that rooting from this common idea of I don't want to be in trouble. I don't want to be the bad guy. For me, it's not.
0: Although I will say I have I, I often say I have homework anxiety. Yeah. When some, when like when my supervisor, my, the district superintendent is expecting something from me, I am anxious until it is done. Yeah. And I'm anxious that I did it wrong. So
1: for me, I, yeah. it's not like my anxiety. If I had to pinpoint my anxiety in one sentence, it's I don't want to get in trouble. And so I started to like after that therapy session really sit in that and what that looks for me. And what I kind of came to the realization was I don't want to get in trouble is I don't want to make the wrong decision and be abandoned and so there's there's this and again this is a very subtle difference between two and six so two talks about rejection and one of the things that i realize is frankly i don't give a fuck if i'm rejected like a lot of my story if you listen to my like personal story if you listen to the things i overcame i've always been the weird bird i have been since high school On a surface level example, I love my TikToks, love my Bachelor, love my other stuff. And you impress and are like, nah, all the time. Stupid geek. And I've never given a shit about that. Like, I just never have.
0: I think if you did, we wouldn't do it as much.
1: But (laughs) abandonment, that's the thing that stings a little bit for me. So if you impress and decided you weren't going to be in my life anymore because... I don't know. I like The Bachelor. Can't that, believe that would stupid sting.
0: blonde likes that Bachelor. Let's not right. fight her.
1: but do you see how that's a very subtle difference? But yeah, it's, it's different. And so, in sitting in that, I kind of came to terms with okay, maybe it's not rejection that I'm scared of so well, much as it is being abandoned by well, people. Well, one I of care the things about. that
0: I've often we've talked about and that I've often noticed about you is you're kind of okay, like. Giving and and receiving shit.
1: Hundred percent.
0: You know, like, like. Um, in
1: fact, I frequently tell people instigating is what I do. I often instigate.
0: It's a it's a little bit of a. And this is you know, forgive me for the the gender stereotypes here, but like that's I grew up in the nineties and that's what I've got to work with. So, <laughs> but there is something about like you know the the guys girl.
1: Uh-huh. Like
0: there's something about the, the yeah the girl in the treehouse who can all the reason she's allowed is because she, she doesn't, can hang.
1: Yeah, yeah. She,
0: yeah. There's something about like. Because, you know, boys are, com- are broadly speaking, naturally more aggressive and more competitive. Right. And so the re- the way that we tend to relate, especially in, like, adolescence, when mm-hmm. we don't know how to fucking operate or talk to each other or have any type of moral code at all. Like, um, we tend to, like, bond together by ribbing and teasing and, like, poking each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because we don't have any emotional intelligence. like Right. Um, and I think and I think you've always been kind of uh, and usually in my experience, girls, especially young girls tend to be more sensitive in that area and can't yeah. quite, yep. can't enjoy that right Like they can tolerate it if they absolutely have to, but they they don't enjoy it and it becomes a problem eventually. And I, and I've noticed that you kind of thread that needle very.
1: I think it's funny Well
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> my like, mom always it. told
1: me I in high school I would go around saying stuff like, I'm a Fruit Loop in a world of Cheerios. And when I say saying, I mean, I would literally like say that to people like for fun. Well, I remember I've when we were always getting to know each other, th-
0: when we were getting to know each other, there were a couple of times where I felt a little defensive because like, don't, what do you like that? Could, like where I felt like things might have gone too far. And I just kind of very subtly like would check in with you a little bit. And it was like not a problem.
1: Oh yeah, I've got a hard head. I've got a thick skull. My mom and siblings and I all tease each other all the time. Well, and
0: even like, just your literally your genuine laughter at some of the things. Yeah, you know, like that's that's a, you can. I think most people can tell when somebody's laughing mm-hmm. because they don't want to cry or laughing because they genuinely think it's funny. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, and so which like, is
1: why rejection in my brain, I think, and there's something that the other hard truth I've kind of had to sit in. And I'm, sure, I'm curious to see if you felt this when you mistyped. The hard truth I've kind of had to sit in is there's something inherently easier about feeling like I'm a type 2. Like type 2 feel, felt easier to me. Like I to, did not ever have that. Okay. Well, for me, yeah. it, always, like, it just kind of made sense. I was like, always it,
0: frustrated. I mean, and you can go back and listen to this podcast. And you can hear me literally being frustrated out loud into a microphone about how like type four like I don't really identify with the right. core at, like the motivations and the core tenets of a type four and I, I in my at that time because I thought I was a type four I'm going I don't think they're articulating them right right um, and now I'm going well maybe they were articulating them right and I I wasn't a type four yeah and that's why I didn't identify and with I think
1: them. on a personality level I do identify with a lot of type 2 qualities i but again this is why enneagram has to come back to motivation well you
0: also have traditionally balked it like w- one of your first caveats when you always talk about type twos is like i'm not the type who's in the kitchen doing the dishes yeah, i'm not while hubby is it
1: smoking turns out cigars I'm not a t-
0: <laughs> yeah you know like it like yeah and so i i imagine that there because i had the same thing with type 4 like i I, I don't give a fuck about being individual. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, in fact, I want there to be more of me in the world. I think people would benefit from my perspective. Right. Like, like I, I wish there were more like me.
1: I think I had associated, rejected, and abandoned is kind of the same thing. Um, and so that's a lot of where I mistyped. It's also six is the most commonly mistyped number on the Enneagram. One, because I don't think it's explained very well. I don't think type six actually gets enough like actual into like i know that was one of the types that i had the hardest time understanding as i like anytime we have guests on the podcast like i feel like it was difficult to explain what the motivation of the six actually is so there's that on top of the fact that like sixes are inherently like naturally indecisive they don't like to make decisions um and they don't they aren't they are head thinkers and so they don't necessarily get into that heart spaces deeply or as easily. And so I think that that kind of um, can cause some confusion too, especially because six is in the competency type group with two and nine and two sixes and nines all have very similar personality traits. So it's very common for someone who's a type six to mistype as a two or a nine because they're all kind of very naturally easygoing, go with the flow, peacekeeping. Okay.
0: Did we Have we said what a type six is?
1: I don't think we have. A six is the loyalist. So and okay so this is my other thing. So the core motivation well, of a type 6. Before let's
0: let's just spend a minute just broadly going into 6. Yeah. Loyalist the, the at least cuz I I've done reading on 6 <laughs> since you told me, the primary kind of passion or emotion driver is is fear. Fear.
1: Uh-huh. Which if you know me at all adds up a lot. Yeah,
0: very interesting.
1: Uh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I always wrote off as just general anxiety, and uh, uh, not the case. Like, tend
0: to operate in. There's a lot of body language, in, in the chapters yeah. that I was reading.
1: Uh, yeah, they're head centers, so they tend to like overthink and think first.
0: There, so a lot of the because you know I, I was reading uh, the the Beatrice and Uranio mm-hmm. book a lot on on six. They use a lot of body language.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what's what's the deal with what's how do those relate if you're a head center what's going because like a lot of a lot of their you know kind of pay attention to this pay attention to this was about like pay attention to how you're tensing up yeah how your body is 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 reacting to whatever you're yeah experiencing. so
1: sixes tend to get into a trap of overthinking and working themselves up and one of the things i read in it was this this book I wanted to throw it when I was reading the chapter on six because I was so, like when I was reading the two section, I was like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. But then I read the six section and I was, I knew I was a six because I was like angry <laughs> at a lot of it um, because it was true and it was harder to hear that it was true. But one of the things that they talk about is that one of the reasons that six is mistyped so frequently is because they see this, core fear of fear itself. And they're like, nah, that's not me. I'm not fearful, which I would absolutely say was true for me. Um, But what they talk about in their book is that type sixes will often say that or will often use the phrase of, oh, I'm not pessimistic, I'm just realistic, which is absolutely something I have said. And it's because 80% of their brain space is taken up with possible risks. So the time that you'll see a type six be the calmest is when shit hits the absolute fan. Like when stuff is hitting the fan and I have to like make decisions and I'm in a position where I have to manage, I do great. I'm super calm. I'm super collected. That's why I think I thrive um, in like my manager role because there's a never ending to do list. And on certain days, like I got a da, da 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 da. Like I'm very good at staying disciplined, at staying on task and getting all this stuff done. But it's because when i don't have to be that way i'm constantly thinking about the what ifs and the what happens if and well what if this happens and worst case scenario thinking and so where i think that body language kind of ties in is six is ten that you can see me doing it right now six is ten to get in this trap of like overthinking and thinking about worst case scenarios and what ifs and so i will fidget a lot my shoulders will tense up my jaw will clam up for a while it was so bad um, and I've kind of calmed it down and gotten it under control a little bit. That I had acid reflux for about four months and Anytime I would feel even a little bit anxious, it just felt like it was a constant lump in my throat. And that was recently. That did not go away until I started therapy. It started in June and then I started therapy and literally it was a constant, just, it was so annoying. I cannot even describe it to you how annoying it was. But I'll like, when I'm anxious, you'll see me chop my lips or play with my hands or play with the holes in my jeans or fidget a lot or move my feet. Like I don't ever sit still. I'm very like fidgety. I'm. I very... remember
0: at Collective, which is our one of our sister churches, uh, I'm they they the do just a telling. basic in their during their worship service. They do a just like a, a couple couple or three minutes of silence. I hate it, and you can't. Stand I don't it.
1: like it. I do not like it. I never have like that. I've gotten better at it, um, in the sense of. I,
0: I've, here's the thing, help me understand because here's what I don't understand about it. If you don't like the silence,
1: mm-hmm.
0: why don't you pray or sing a song to yourself? Or... So that's
1: what I was going to say. I don't like, like in it collective in that scenario, it was like sitting in stone. It
0: well, is... and you can't do it out loud because right. you're in a, literally in a and room And so of that's
1: not my thing. Um, but since going to therapy and talking with my therapist, I've gotten much more into like journaling and that really works for me. Or like going on walks outside. That really works for me, but like sitting. In- now that
0: it's cold, I've been super into chopping wood.
1: Yeah, I love walks. Walks are my favorite. Matt and I will go to the gym, and I'll still come home and be like, "Can we go on a walk now?" Like, I love walks.
0: I literally last night. I didn't even take my my like. Normally, I'll if I have chores, I'll take my like my Bluetooth speaker and my phone, and I'll listen to a podcast or whatever. Mm-hmm. And literally last night, because I'm on vacation. Also, that's another important part. Like, we just had our a huge major. Two major events in one weekend, actually, and uh, and so on Monday, which was last night, uh, after in the afternoon, I was just like, I'm gonna go outside.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I
0: just I literally went outside with no real agenda, and then I lit a fire in our fire pit, and thought I was gonna like do something. Thought I was because there's stuff to clean up and you know, thought I was gonna do stuff, and then I ended up just lighting a fire and sitting there with my dog and a cocktail yeah and being like and and it being completely quiet and being like this is <laughs> this is what i needed yeah <laughs> and i and i was surprised at how long I, I wanted and I've started to sit there finding
1: that time like in the mornings now so now that i'm like the manager at the slot i'm at i like have to get up earlier i'm not able to just get up with just enough time to get out the door so i'm I'm up at like 5.30 every day, which has been a huge change from getting up at like, I was getting to work at 9.30, now I get to work at 8 most days. Um, you got to
0: get on that uh, NMN, resveratrol. Huh? Uh, it's, a, it's an anti-aging uh, s- supplement, and when I take it at night, right before dinner, I sleep like a rock, and I don't yeah. know why i have yeah. no idea why
1: yeah so i'll get up at like five thirty now and i'll do my makeup and i'll do my hair and i do that by myself in silence and that's definitely helped but i think there is something to just about consciously noticing when i feel tense rather than just like being tense all the time and that's definitely made a difference but i think that's kind of what she was getting at with like the body language stuff is just this like need to fidget need to do something anxious energy which I had always written off as just general anxiety and not necessarily that fear was a driving factor at all of my decision making.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's not much difference. Between, like, anxiety is under the umbrella of fear, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, a, for, like it's a set subset thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I mean, um, I was reading a post by, I want to say it was Gabrielle Westbrook. Um, and she was just talking about grief and the Enneagram and how each type grieves. Um, and I thought it was really interesting or things they might need to grieve or what have you. Um, and I thought it was really interesting like reading that post, cause I was like, oh shit, a lot of this is me. Um, and my thing just, can we, yeah. So one of the things that it said was, in your childhood, you were wounded by the message. It's not okay to trust yourself. And because of that, you've not experienced inner peace. And the fact that you've worked so hard to be responsible as your attempt to disprove your own inner feelings, that you are incompetent and powerless, and in so doing, you've not allowed yourself space to exile and grieve. And I thought that was interesting, too, because I've always been described as very responsible. I've always been described as very, like, good at getting shit done. And so, like, (coughs) when I make a mistake, like, I, I think back to that conversation you and I had where we really got into it and, like, That was rough for me because in my brain, I'm like, oh, fuck, I made a mistake. Like I fucked up, but I don't give myself like the grace to make mistakes because making mistakes is like the worst thing I can do because it's not responsible and it makes me feel incompetent and it makes me feel like I'm going to be abandoned, like I'm doing a bad job.
0: Yeah, I the the abandonment thing is something so the in. And Beatrice, by by the way, it's the Enneagram Guide to Waking Up. Yes, we've mentioned it multiple times. Um, The Six grew up, however, she had a few experiences. When the Six grew up, however, she had a few experiences that made her feel afraid. Her mother once forgot to pick her up at school. Maybe she was frightened by a movie that showed people being killed. Started to notice all the things that could go wrong and learned Mm -hmm. that sometimes bad things happen the world started seeming more dangerous and more threatening.
1: Fun fact about me, I literally, one, one of my core fears is being kidnapped. Like I literally, if I go to Target by myself, I have to talk myself down. I like literally will be like, OK, I'm going to park by the shopping cart return. Because if I do, and I think I've talked about this on here, like if I do that, then if somebody tries to take me, like I like can see everywhere around me. So yeah. I'm I'm very much anti that. And I don't watch scary movies or anything like that, because I don't.
0: I there, can't. There was another um I didn't make note of it like I did that one, but I remember there was another one that talked about um pets.
1: Oh yeah. And, and pet anxiety and the dog dying? Yeah, 100%. Like,
0: uh yep. like, cuz that was one of the learning curves for you being a pet owner. Yep. i literally
1: like, could...
0: How do I how do I take care of this thing and not constantly worry whether or not it's going to die?
1: I literally have to watch myself because I will convince myself that people I care about or pets I care about or whatever are going to leave me um, if I don't. So like with Bailey and Bailey, like, you know, constantly having Pano and getting sick, I was like amping myself up for her to be taken from me because if she couldn't choose to leave me, then something was going to happen where she got taken.
0: Yeah. The only way she can leave is to die. Right. Like she's a dog. She's not going anywhere. Right. (laughs) Even if she got out, she would be scratching at the back door because she needs food.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of my people pleasing comes from this idea of I'm an incredibly loyal person. um, And so I'm the kind of person that if I'm in your corner, like I'm going to defend you no matter what. And that can be to a fault sometimes. Um, But like, I want that same loyalty from the other people in my life.
0: It makes me think of kind of your earliest breakthrough that you've described as like a person of authority. Mm -hmm. whom you were loyal to. Right. And like a big hurdle was finally admitting like, I don't think that person treated me right. Yeah. Like, And that was like a big deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so that breakthrough in that disciple group that I had gone through was like, I don't need your approval to be okay with who I am. And I do feel like I've overcome that with that person, but there's a lot of other people in my life and a lot of other areas of my life where I'm like, oh, but I do need their approval though which I actually don't and that's the hurdle and that's the challenge. and That's the learning curve. But like, that's definitely a, a, a
0: pattern. For me. Well, so in a weird way, I would I, I would say this is that there's something about that's very akin to one of our axioms make requests, not demands. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: there's a difference between needing approval and really enjoying Yeah. approval. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a there's a big difference. And as I've said many times on our live show, uh, the difference comes down to what would you sell your soul for?
1: hmm Yeah.
0: And there's something about like the the feeling of I would sell my soul for the approval. Yeah. Versus I really hope you approve. I really, ho- yeah. I've, I've done my best and I hope you approve. And
1: again, it's that vacillating hey. between independence and need for approval thing that I mentioned earlier. Like I desperately want like the people in my life that... um Like, for example, like at work, I desperately want to be able to make my own decisions and to be on my own and to be independent in my role and to make it my own. But also, if I do something new or I do something that I'm unfamiliar with, I have anxiety that I'm going to mess it up and you're going to decide that I'm not worthy of being in that position anymore. And so I get really insecure because I don't trust my own voice and I don't trust my own ability to make the decision on my own.
0: Well, and there's there's something about... um... Cause i very much live and try to cultivate an environment and it's like uh the only thing i have a problem with is not trying
1: right yeah yeah, yeah. and i wasn't saying you specifically no, i'm I, just saying in yeah
0: I, but i i can imagine how that is and i also it took me a while to get there too like i because mm-hmm. i you know everyone has some level of this especially as you're coming into your, like early adulthood where you're not in college anymore right and you're doing first career kind of stuff and you don't know what you're doing. Everyone's winging it, but you don't know that everyone's winging it. All you feel right. like is everybody else has this shit figured out and you're winging it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And like, there's something about that, that feeling that I can identify with. Yeah. Where, and because, because the person that taught me, uh, the patron saint of... Candidate F- U- John Leg, uh, had very much a like, uh, like a very safe to fail environment kind mm-hmm. of a place. What I can't, and you know, I, I'm putting words in his mouth, but I think he would agree with this. Like what I can't tolerate is somebody who's not trying and not like, you know, somehow devoted to where we're going and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Like if you've given up, then it's time to replace you. But if you try and fail, then like, great, what do we learn? You know? Mm -hmm. And I, like, and I, I thrived in that and I, I very much have learned from that and try to cultivate that. But like, that's very difficult, I would imagine, from what I'm hearing you describe. Yeah. It's very difficult to feel that truth, because so, that's a, the that's a truth that has to be felt.
1: Something else about sixes is that sixes um, tend to, which I did not like this, and that's fine. I didn't like it because it's true but sixes tend to test their relationships um, to make sure that the people that are in their lives are actually very loyal to them too, which I didn't think I did, but turns out I do. Um, Matt and I have had lots of talks about how I do this specifically. Um, And it'll, my version of testing relationships quote unquote is literally as simple as assuming that someone's going to be mad at me without them having vocalized that they're mad at me.
0: I can remember. I remember. I can't. God, there was a there was a texting back and forth. I think you you were about to leave. Time I was or something. in vac.
1: I was on vacation. I know what you're talking about. I was on vacation.
0: And I remember feeling in the text that was, and I'm like, and Urgency. having to like, yeah, overly be like, it's you're okay, everything's fine, enjoy yep. your vacation. Yep. Like, we'll handle whatever's up in the air when you get back. Like, be on vacation. But
1: that's my version of testing relationships. Is this, like, I convince, I work myself up in my head and convince myself that people I care about are mad at me. And then I wait for them to decide they're mad at me. A phrase in Beatrice and Uranio's book that I read that made me be like, "Ow, I don't like that is... um, they have this mentality of constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop and I feel like that's me all the time. Like I am constantly, like I have a hard time believing that I am worthy of good things and like worthy of the love that I give and so I'm constantly waiting for somebody else to decide they don't, they want to take that away or they're not interested anymore and so that tends to play out in me testing my relationships and constantly checking in to make sure I'm okay and so like I have a hard time with the idea of failing because I associate failing with um, abandonment. But I will say in regards to John Legg, patron saint, kindred UMC, um, I didn't really, he was very much that way and I never really experienced anxiety about that with him. I, I was very, But I think that's because, I mean, it took me like a year and a half, two years to get there and a really big screw up with him and budget and stuff. But, which of course that makes sense that it would take a really big screw up to get there. But it did eventually get to a point where I was like, okay, I don't have this anxiety anymore, this is fine. Um, But it does, I, I don't know what it is that like I feel like this happened with Bailey too where I was constantly anxious about it constantly anxious about it and then one day something clicked and I was fine and I'm not really anxious about Bailey anymore she's had to go to the vet a few times since then and like it is what it is so I think there's something to time and
0: well so you mentioned earlier grieving Mm-hmm. I <clears throat> I wonder if there's something about so, because I have been dealing with anxiety in particularly all of us have over the past two years right with pandemic and quarantine and all this stuff um one of the things that helps me a lot with anxiety so so let's talk about dogs. My dog is about to turn thirteen and he's a a lab German shepherd. They don't tend to live till thirteen mm. like they just don't they like they die around twelve. You know, and I might get a few more years, but like, it will be very sad. Yeah. But I actually don't have a lot of anxiety about it. And I think that's because, I mean, very early on when I got Jonah, I was like, okay, this is what I can count on that. Like, and they're like pre grieving a little bit. Like, I, 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 I know that I'm going to be sad about 12 to 14 years from now, you know, like i know Mm -hmm. that that's coming and i know that that's happening and and one of my little things is we, we talk about it openly all the time in the house about how old he is and like make jokes about don't you're gonna break your goddamn hip sit down like yeah you know you don't you can't chase squirrels you're too old you know and we talk about and we actively like lightly talk about like when he dies and and what we're gonna do and the plan and like you know, like, I, I would like to uh, have him cremated and, like, bury him in the yard and, like, those types of things. And there's something about acknowledging the reality and the inescapability of that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: going to happen.
1: Yeah, I do think that's part of it. Um, and I've been, like, kind of sitting in in this a lot. Like, mm. why why do I have this up, anxiety? He got up
0: like we knew, he knew we were talking about him
1: particularly about abandonment what is it what is that for me and I do think that that is part of it I think the main work that I need to do though um, is figuring out what my own values are and doing the work to decide that my own voice is trustworthy because I think I've minimized a lot to the point where I have a hard time identifying the things that matter to me and actually like living them or at least separating the things that matter to me versus the things that matter to other people and I want to support them and encourage them and so therefore I take on those identities and embody them and so like there's definitely some work to be done there of like okay well, what is it that actually matters to me what do I value And what do I find important and like it's as simple as my therapist had asked me this and she was like if you had to sum up your life mission in one sentence what would you sum it up as and yeah, I know. I know that. And I, I, I know the answer to that. And the answer to that for me would be your story matters. It has inherent value and meaning and you never know what sharing it, how sharing it will impact those around you. And she stopped me and she was like, great, that's a great life's mission. But even that is centered around your And so you need to learn to replace that word with my. So when you're in this state of like anxiety and workup and overwhelm, you need to think to yourself, my story matters and has meaning and value. And if I share it and if I go through these things, that's gonna impact people around me too. And so like everything I do is constantly centered around the lives of other people, the thoughts of other people. Particularly, um, I enjoy being in this role of like, supporting like right hand like let me support you because that then makes me indispensable. which is a two trait it makes me indispensable and so I need to like
0: well the- that makes loyalty and faithfulness and right. authority figure kind of stuff is, is a lot of what I've what re- a lot of the phrases I've read are on six
1: right and so it's very much the work I need to do is very much a one like okay what are the things that matter to me and how do I start to embody and live on the and act on those rather than constantly feeling I'm a PR representative to everyone around me all the time because that's a phrase I've used in therapy um, with my therapist is I feel like I'm everyone's PR representative. I'm constantly defending people even when they don't need to be defended. I'm constantly defending them and same thing like with The Bachelor again as another surface level example. I love The Bachelor. The Bachelor doesn't always need to be defended but yet somehow or TikTok. Yet somehow I find myself defending and sticking up for these things that I care about constantly. And that gets draining and exhausting, especially when those things didn't ask to be defended. Um, so there's that, and then there's also like Erin had pointed out to me the other day. She was like, You are really good at articulating and talking through the things that you're bad at doing and like using those things to help other people. Like you're really good about that. She was like, but you never really like talk about the things you're good at and like that's super true too. I'm very good at talking through like, oh, I struggle with this and so I need to do this or like constantly like talking myself down and making myself less than a lot of self-minimizing which turns out is a very sick trait Um, but I'm not so good about actually talking about the things that I'm good at and being nice to myself and speaking highly of myself and so like those two things I think are really where the root of my work is um but the grieving thing definitely too
0: okay can we i want to pause here because i have to pee and then when we come back i want to talk about subtypes
1: sure all
0: right i'm going to pause it okay we're back okay uh so okay so don't say anything about your particular subtype okay I because you have said it on other podcasts so you know Easter egg, but...
1: It hasn't changed.
0: And and I checked in with you, and the reason I checked in with you, because I was reading, and I was, huh. And I still feel that way about what you responded with.
1: Oh, really? Huh. So... That's interesting. Now, okay. I don't
0: know, but here's a little little experiment I'd like to do. A little blind test. Okay. I'm going to read from uh, Beatrice and Iranio,
1: Uh-huh.
0: And... I'm just gonna read their like paragraph of the subtype okay and i'm not gonna tell you which one it is okay and i want you to tell me which one you identify with more sure okay
1: are you reading all three
0: i'm just gonna read between the two the one that you the one that you you think
1: i am and the one that i I think you might be okay
0: um so here we go uh this is for the oh and
1: also subtypes can switch so
0: yeah this is, so this is the type six, one of the subtypes. Uh-huh. This subtype, says Beatrice and Irania. this subtype copes with fear by finding a good authority. They think the way to, to be safe is to follow the rules of their chosen authority, whether a person, a system, or an ideology. They tend to be dutiful... Legalistic, intellectual, responsible, and efficient. And they rely on following guidelines or reference points to feel secure. For them, uncertainty and amb- and ambiguity equal anxiety. They display a mixture of phobic, fearful, or counterphobic, confronting fear with strength, behaviors. They see the world in terms of black and white rather than gray. Mm-hmm. That's one. Another one is... This subtype is warm and friendly. They disguise their fear by being soft and kind and not aggressive. They feel fear as separation anxiety and try to attract strong protectors and allies to feel more protected. They are actively fearful and often phobic, running away from danger. Flight, not fight. They experience the most doubt and uncertainty and trust others more than themselves. They are the most fearful of being angry, and they hesitate the most and ask the most questions, but they don't answer any.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, that one. Which one? That one. They both sound like me, but The, that the one. second one? The second one, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: self-prez, and that's the one I thought.
1: That's so weird, because I <laughs> didn't think that I'd be a self-prez.
0: That is the one I thought. Because really? I, I literally, this is what clued me into my subtype,
1: but I'm not, I don't feel like I prioritize myself. Do you disagree? Uh,
0: I. Well, well, just on the service, yes, you have most of your, like, take care of yourself activities are like spa day. I'm going to get my nails done. I'm going to get my hair. Like, you have, <laughs> yeah, okay. you have a healthy amount of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you have a healthy amount of it, though. Um, and also, it's not because of the type sixes, Fear and and the propensity to like alleviate that fear through loyalty and like gathering allies. Mm -hmm. It's very easy, I think, for a self-prez to look very social. But what Mm -hmm. you're really doing is you're gathering allies to protect yourself.
1: That's really interesting, and I wouldn't have thought about it that way. But yeah, I could definitely see that. That's
0: what I think is going. I could definitely
1: see that. I'm also very protective of like my bedtime. (laughs) And yeah, you're
0: you're very you're very like literally we host a weekly bible study <laughs> at Courtney and Matt's house and literally uh as people are like sh- like shooting the shit in the kitchen and like pouring a whiskey and like finishing off the pizza Courtney will be like I'm going to bed now. Good night everyone. <laughs>
1: That's true. <laughs>
0: like uh very self-pres uh, you know again Interesting. funny to laugh at uh, uh, but I don't I don't want I do not in any way want to discourage that behavior because I think it's very healthy i like i think I think it's good mm-hmm. uh, but there is something about that that's very like what you're doing is protecting yourself mm-hmm. and even when you're um flitting about the party and like connecting with people and and also the fact that that's connected to your job, both here and at the salon. Like a lot of your salon work was to be engaged with, like you're protecting the relationship with the the person you're supporting. You know, the the loyalist, the loyalist. Yeah. Like I, at least that's that was my hunch because I read yeah. both of them. You told me social, and I you know I I read the whole chapter and then I was refreshing before you came, and when I when you told me social, I read those paragraphs again and I was like uh it's worth asking the question at least
1: yeah i'm because there's another post that by nine types co i actually feel like i identify with the social six of her description much better and i will pull that up just to read it um yeah i don't know um i could definitely see me vacillating between both especially because subtypes switch so nine types co social subtype post says Social sixes build alliances with others to feel safe and supported. They look to friends for reassurance. They want to fit in and they are aware of social dynamics. They are most concerned with rules and procedures. If they understand and follow the rules, they won't be left exposed or blamed when something goes wrong. That is absolutely
0: The rules and procedures...
1: It, not so much. Okay, so when here's,
0: I here's the here are the parts that I balked at when I read the social subtype for you, and you tell me how you feel about them. One is rules and procedures. The other is black and white, not gray. Um,
1: I'm very black and white. Are you? I'm yes. I've done a lot of work, a lot of work to not be. Um, but even in high school, my mom would like we would sit at like eat with my dad in particular. We would like sit at the table and talk about stuff and my mom has always said from day one my whole family matt will tell you i'm very i'm very legalistic i have done yes
0: i don't experience you uh, the uh, the other two things that were, were legalistic intellectual
1: intellectual no Um, legalistic. Absolutely. I am. I'm very legalistic. I have done a lot of work to not be because I felt like it isolated me from other people when I was that way. Um, but something that Matt says about me is Courtney, you have the biggest shit list of people of anybody. I know I'm very quick to, if somebody screws me over or, um, just does something, I'm very quick to nope. I don't like that person. Um, which is not a trait about myself that I like, but it's definitely it's a protection thing. It is something that is very true to me. For the rules thing, I'm going to give an example. Um, because, again, I hate that I like rules, but I do. Um,
0: Why do you hate it?
1: I just don't like it. I think it's weird. Mm, mm, not a fan. So, at the salon...
0: I think it's weird that you think it's weird.
1: We had... A door fall off the back hinges of the salon, and so Erin was like, "Hey, I need you to call these door companies and like find somebody to come replace it." I had a panic attack because I was so nervous to like, because it, doors are expensive, and like finding a company that's going to replace the door correctly, and is this amount of money okay? And da 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 da, and there's just all this stuff that's going into it along the chaos of everything else, that instead of just trusting myself to make the decision, I would run to her every single time there was even a question or something needed a sign off or approval because I didn't want to be exposed or blamed if I made the wrong decision. And she eventually was kind of like, you know, I trust you to make the decision, right? Like, just make the decision. I want you to make it. Like, you're empowered to make this decision. And I was like,
0: am I, though? That doesn't feel like rules to me.
1: See, it does to me. Like if I think of rules as more like guidance, like, mm, I'm trying to think of another example. That feels
0: more like self president behavior.
1: You think? I don't know.
0: I think it's, I don't, so.
1: It's the, they like rules and gui- it's more guidelines than like, I like guidance. I like asking very specific questions about how do you want this done? Tell me how to do it so that I can do it correctly, so that I won't be blamed if it goes wrong.
0: Would you say um, that you hesitate the most and ask the most questions?
1: <sighs> yeah, I mean,
0: that's what that sounds like to me. It sounds that sounds more like you're describing the self-prez, to, to at least based on what I've read.
1: Yeah, maybe. Like um, you,
0: you're asking questions because you don't want to get it wrong.
1: Yeah yeah i mean i i can definitely see that and
0: i'm not i don't i don't have any stakes in this i'm not sure i'm talking into it
1: i'm looking at nine types Co's self president definition of six just because i'm curious
0: i just don't experience you as a highly responsible
1: attempt to alleviate anxiety about their security but and well-being by working hard being committed to others with the expectation that others will return the favor that's me They're suspicious of others while they make close relationships. It may take years before they find others to be trustworthy. Anxiety is apparent. They tend to jump to worst case scenario thinking when something small goes wrong. Yeah, that's definitely me, but they're, see, I don't know. There is a lot in the social that feels like me too. Um, If they understand and follow the rules, they won't be left exposed or blamed when something goes wrong. They love to be a part of something bigger than themselves and will sacrifice a great deal in their own life to stay a member. They have a hard time pursuing their own development. They want to gain a consensus from those around them before um, making a decision the thing that makes me think that i'm a social six is the unhealthy side of social six which okay. is they become extreme in their beliefs they attach themselves to a trusted authority that shares those beliefs and they become extremely wary of any other authority figure which is absolutely me if i'm all in on something i am all in on something my mom will be the first person to tell you shall, that.
0: shall we do the same experiment On the the subtype shadows? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, This is your subtype. Your way of coping with fear makes you dependent on others for protection. You keep people from attacking you by appearing nice, warm, and friendly. To feel safe, you may want to run away from situations that make you fearful. You may fear others' aggression and not feel comfortable expressing yours. You can get lost in doubt and uncertainty. While you want to feel certain, you doubt everything, even your doubt, which makes making decisions and taking action difficult. You will tend to have a hard time owning your power and authority. Next, if this is your subtype, you tend to take on large amounts of responsibility. You tend to feel duty-bound to take care of others and the collective. loyalty to causes and authority figures may come from an egoic need to feel safe you can become too much of a true believer quote unquote too devoted to authorities or ideologies Mm -hmm. you must learn to trust your own authority not just look outside yourself for guidelines about what to do to feel a sense of security by focusing on systems ideals and rules you may neglect your need to connect more deeply with your emotions or instincts Go more with your heart or your gut and not just your head.
1: No, it's absolutely the second one. It's absolutely the second one for me. Okay. I think. I think it is the second I, I absolutely do that. I absolutely attach myself to authorities or to um i've done it in the church a million and a half times every church i have ever gone to or worked in i'm all in a hundred percent nobody can say anything bad about it i'm incredibly defensive about it same thing with friends like i'm all in a hundred percent of the time i get very defensive particularly of you and aaron like But like, let's just throw that out there as an example. Like I get very defensive again, even when I don't need to be of these people that I attach myself to. I absolutely look to voices that are not my own voice for guidance, rules, procedures, all that.
0: Okay. So you identify with the kind of the pros of the social I yeah, mean the uh, self-pres and the kind uh, of the I, shadow side of the uh, social.
1: Yeah, but I identify with a lot of the pros of social too. I, I know you're, well, I, I know that, you're caught up on the rules thing, but the rules thing and the black and white thinking really does make sense to me.
0: Yeah, well, and I often say, like, I, I actually think the fear and the and the shadow side are kind of the way in.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty I sure I'm social. No, I absolutely wouldn't be surprised if I vacillated between the two because subtypes can shift and change um so what whichever one is for i know intimate is my least and they do stack so if social's first is definitely a close second yeah um but and it and also vice versa and social six is often mistype as type two so that kind of makes sense for me too um but if i had to guess i would guess social
0: okay um all right well i think we're I think we've covered a lot.
1: Yeah, we got through a lot. Do you want to
0: end with a cheers?
1: Sure. Um, Even though you don't have anything? I am going to cheers to... (laughs) I'm going to cheers to giving yourself safe spaces to make mistakes and leaning into that anxiety and starting to sit in it a little bit because that leads to trusting your own voice more and believing that you are capable of good things. That's what I'm going to cheers to. It's my homework for the week.
0: Yeah, I was going to say something along the lines of um, uh, to, to holding on loosely. Yeah. To avoiding absolutism and certainty. Mm-hmm. I think things almost always go off the rails when we get into absolute and certain.
1: Yeah. And also, again, this is just another great example of how the Enneagram is a, the test is a starting place. You could literally go for years thinking you're a type and then not end up being that type. So hold on loosely and also, like, don't buy 100% in on what your test results say.
0: Yeah, be open. Remain open.
1: Yeah. Okay, good night, everybody. Good night.